better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, Jordan Reed, and the Draft Dudes of Draft Dudes, Paige Demacos here on this podcast, where we are going to dig into and unveil the TDN Top 10 Prospects for the 2021 NFL Draft entering the season. And I'm going to get out of the way and allow Paige Demacos to steer the ship. Joe, what an intro. I uh, tried and I was failed at muting Kyle's mic. I was going to do that off the top. Yeah, it was uh, really, there was something going on in the background there. I don't know if that was uh, Ed Ogeron impression that you were going after or the sax. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know why I brought it up. I knew where that was going to head. But I'm I'm here with the guys. I'm here with Jordan and with Kyle and with Joe. And what they've been doing that... I know about, but I want you guys to talk about is you have spent the summer scouting all of the top collegiate football players going into 2020, 2021. And guys, it's been a lot of work. um, And I know you guys have really enjoyed it a lot, but it's also been something new. This is a new process that we've had for the draft network. So I'll go to you first, Kyle. Kyle, describe what this summer has been like, and then, you know, just give everybody an inside look at at what every day has looked like for you guys. Yeah, it's been really cool where, you know, each one of us on this call and obviously Dre Harris, who is a seven-year NFL scout, who's also a part of this group that that works with us, uh, everybody's kind of had their own upbringing and their own ideologies that they've used for assessing talent and, and writing scouting reports. And uh, we kind of looked at, at this process and said, you know, imagine if we standardize what this would look like what we would all collectively be able to do with each one of us who is individually capable of scouting hundreds of players individually on our own. So we split up power five conferences. We split group of five conferences. Uh, We all shared the sec. We thought with the amount of prospects that comes out of that conference, it's really important to make sure we all get eyes on that, that conference. And we spent seven weeks scouting prospects every single day we had scouting meetings where we would sit down and we would go through here's the grades i gave the players based on where they're at coming into the 2020 season and uh at the end of that seven weeks we sat down and we had everybody stack you know their players scouted best available and then we had a really in-depth conversation to try and figure out how to combine all of our regions together to craft the the best possible consensus board that we possibly could while covering ground and scouting over 400 prospects this summer. Yeah, it's it's been pretty incredible to know how much you guys have gotten done and it's July 27th, right? Like I I, I love that that this entire class you guys have spent a significant amount of time doing a deep dive into every aspect and every conference and what to expect. So Joe, I'll take you here next. Uh, what stuck out to you during the scouting process? Like what was what was maybe something that you went in thinking one thing, maybe whether that's a player or a theme or just something you learned from this group as you guys went through this new process? I'll tell you what, I really appreciate the process that we underwent. I mean, every single day we had a scouting meeting and at that scouting meeting, you were expected to bring three players that you evaluated the day before and present them to the group. And what that did for me is it really forced me to be the best version of myself, to know that I got to look Kyle, I got to look Dre in the eye, I got to look Jordan in the eye, I got to tell them about these players. And not only tell them about these players, they've got questions. And Dre Harris is going to ask part. me questions. He's going to, and you have to anticipate that. And 
you know, Jordan's got questions and Jordan and I, we kind of have a lot of overlap being from, you know, the, the Carolinas here. And, and I know that Kyle's seen a lot of these prospects and just knowing that I had to bring my A game every single day because these guys were counting on it. And um, it forced me to make sure that I was scouting to the level that I was afraid I was going to miss something because I owed it to these guys to give them my best look at these guys and be able to talk about them and be able to answer their questions so that we could stack this board and feel good about it. Jordan, what did you, what was something you learned from this group? Cause you like Kyle said, I think that's the coolest part of this whole thing is that you each have had your own journey to this point, right? Nobody's had the same journey. Everybody's had different experiences that have gotten them to this point in scouting, but what's something that you went in and you learned from whether it was Dre or Kyle or Joe that is impacting how you scout now? Well, I think the best part of everything was just getting to spend more time with these guys, honestly, and getting to learn their lingo and their language. And I'll never forget, I was describing the offensive lineman, and I said his technique goes on vacation sometimes. And Kyle said, oh, man, I like that. I'm going to start using that in some of my scouting reports. So just getting to learn these guys' different lingo and some of the languages that they use and then seeing the glowing reviews about some guys that they liked and maybe some guys they disliked as well, I think that's something that I enjoyed the most. All right, guys, let's rip the Band-Aid off. I want to go right to the question that I think is the the most interesting, the toughest, and and created probably uh, the most argument. So this is something that got asked in our in our premium Slack. We got it on Twitter as well, and that is, what is the player that caused the most arguments, right? Because this is – I'm going to ask you guys each individually about a player you had to pound the table for, but this is – can you guys remember what player – created the the best argument amongst this group and i kyle you're laughing so i'm gonna let you take it because obviously you remember i hope joe and jordan know exactly where i'm going when i say wyatt davis uh, the offensive Mm -hmm. guard from from ohio state and and wyatt davis is a war daddy man and, and he ended up landing in the top 20 but we put Creed Humphrey on the board, who's the center from Oklahoma, who Jordan studied, and I did Wyatt Davis. And I've seen enough of Creed Humphrey to know that I value them similarly, right? And so I, we put Creed Humphrey on the board, and, and I say, all right, like, you know, maybe this might feel like a good spot to put Wyatt Davis down, too, because he's kind of in that same air. And, and Dre uh, immediately comes back with asking, okay, well, I, I got this North Dakota State offensive tackle, Dylan Radins, and and he's really, really good. He you know, plays at the FCS level, but would you rather have an all-pro offensive tackle or an all-pro offensive guard? And it kind of put me in that spot where I had to be like, if all things are equal, I would rather have the tackle. And he's like, okay, well, I'm not ready <laughs> to put Radins on the board yet, so you hold your water and you got to sit tight. So we we had a really good – conversation about the dynamics of offensive play offensive line play in the NFL and and the different ways that you can construct offensive lines and positional value and there was a lot of layers to that conversation where you know Wyatt Davis in my eye is a very pro ready if you like using that phrasing Uh, I I think he's very well positioned with his technique to transition to the pro level and have success very early on where Dylan Radden's playing at North Dakota State uh there might be a bigger jump there. He he is getting by a little bit more on his athleticism, but then you get in the positional value debate and it's like, man, like there, there, there is not an easy answer there as far to when to stack those two guys. 
I love that. I love that Dre was coming in hot. Right. Always. I think that's that's the Always. that's the fun thing that I've learned that I'm excited for everybody that um, pays attention to TDN and gets to know Dre Harris a lot more is that he's been uh, he's not short on opinions on the players and I and I like that he's kind of razzing you guys a little bit. Jordan, some of some of the smaller school guys. Yeah, Kyle, go ahead. He's, he's coming on later this week. So I just, okay. wanted to, just wanted to give him a little love. He's going to be on for another show this week to talk about some of his guys. That's that's a good teaser. Uh, I'm excited to have uh, – I'm going to have him come on the TDN Fantasy Podcast, too, to talk to me about to talk to talk me about the Bears quarterback battle since he's got – he's got a lot to he's say about takes. the Bears behind the scenes. So, man, he's got to come defend those takes. So I'm, I'm like, all right, Jay, come on in. Let's, let's talk about it. Uh, Jay, I want to know about some smaller school players that ended up on our list – um, that maybe people don't know about as much. So are there any, a, a couple of guys or even one guy that stood out to you that you got to watch that is on our, is on our board that you're excited about? Um, I wouldn't say there's any that we don't necessarily know just because whenever you have somebody in your top 100 that, that's from a small school, their name is always going to be out there. But, I mean, it all starts with Trey Lance, the quarterback in North Dakota State. Everybody has seen the, seen the hype about him. Uh, he comes into the process with 42 touchdowns and no turnovers at all. So that's something that's going to jump out to everybody. But the biggest thing is, can he replicate that success? That's something that everybody wants to see. But unfortunately, we're not going to get the season opener with him against Oregon. That's the game that everybody was going to look forward to. And then the guy protecting his, bl his blind side and Dylan Radunce, that's everybody that everybody wanted to see as well. His matchup against Kayvon Thibodeau was another uh, Oregon defensive end that everybody was looking forward to as well. So, just seeing if some of those guys can replicate the success that they had from a season ago when they went 16-0. and And we know how well a position North Dakota State is always with their prospects and just how they churn out talent every single year. Guys, we released our – we released our, our – we slow-dripped our top 100, right? And, and over the last hour and a half, we've released our, our top 10. Is there anybody – on that list, Joe, that you looked at that that you didn't know coming in was going to end up on the top ten, or is it expected kind of where you guys landed here with this with this top ten going into the season? You know, I think the name that maybe surprised me going into this was Caleb Farley. He's a, a cornerback from Virginia Tech. He's our number nine prospect, and you know, I'd heard some good things about him, and I was eager to get to his tape, and and I finally did, and I really fell in love with the player. You know, he's a high school quarterback. He went to Virginia Tech to play wide receiver and he transitions to cornerback and the guy doesn't look like he's new to the position. I mean, he is, is extremely talented at mirroring routes. He's sticky down the field, good in press coverage, love the ball skills. He's got tremendous size length. He's got great speed. I mean, this guy checks all the boxes, but the techniques there, and I just didn't expect that from this player. And you'd heard about the Sean Wades of the world, the Patrick Sertains, a lot of good cornerbacks in this class. And so for us to get through this prospect and see not only is Caleb Farley our CB1, but we're talking about a top 10 player for us entering the year. And, um, you know, he's got some injury stuff that we hope goes away, but I'm really excited about the trajectory of this player, where he's at, and just how much he has in terms of physical upside combined with that he still is new to the position despite not necessarily looking like a new player. And so he's a player that I kind of came out of the summer feeling like, that's my guy, and and I never expected him to be a top ten guy, but here we are. He's number nine on the board, CB one. Kyle, of of the top ten guys, who excites you the most of, of this group? We've gotten a there's uh, a bunch of questions that that for all of you guys. So I want you guys to answer this question each individually. But 
uh, Kyle, you first of, of this group here, right? Who are you, who are you most excited about coming off the 2019 tape? Let mm-hmm. me be very, like coming off of that tape because with everything up in the air, this might be what we get. Right. And and so I want you to go off of just what you have and what you know right now of of these 10 players. I think the the quarterback dynamics of these three guys all being really good athletes and having really good arms at their disposal and a lot of natural ability as passers. uh, I'll make them exceptions to your question. And uh, (laughs) I'm going to pick a guy who, you know, when I brought him to the table in the scouting meeting, when we talked about him that day, Jordan sitting there giggling like a school (laughs) schoolboy all excited to talk about Micah Parsons the linebacker from Penn State as far as the dynamic play that he brings to the field and we just got done seeing uh, Isaiah Simmons as a bit of a tweener guy that ends up going in the top 10 to the Arizona Cardinals well Micah Parsons is a little bit more of a traditional linebacker at 6'3 245 pounds and he's from my neck of the woods he's from central PA which is where I was born and raised so I've been plenty aware of, of Micah Parsons, who was very closely or hotly recruited by Penn State before and, and Ohio State and, and ultimately chose to go to Penn State, where LBU, if, they, if they've got this track record here and they've done really well. And, and Parsons is the best of the bunch as far as when he was at Bishop McDevitt at high school level, he was exclusively a pass rusher. And now they've Penn State's transitioned him to play middle linebacker. And you watch some of the games that he has. The Minnesota game was one that Jordan asked me if I had a chance to watch as far as just untouchable, just just beating blocks nonstop. And it's the anticipation. It's the explosiveness. It's the first step quickness. I think you could play him off the edge in some pass rush situations in pressure reps if you want to overload the box or you, you want to uh, kind of go with one of these amoeba fronts where you get a guy in every gap across the front and drop guys off. He's going to win those reps, and he's also going to win as a stereotypical Mike, and he's really good in coverage. So uh, you've seen over the last couple of years people talk about linebacker being a devalued position, but think about the last couple of years where we see Devin Bush go in the top 10 and Isaiah Simmons go in the top 10, and, and Micah Parsons is one of those guys who's going to probably go in the top 10 barring anything crazy that happens between now and the 2020 NFL draft where he is an absolute stud in all phases of the position. Jordan, you got to pick somebody else. Can't pick the same oh, guy. So are you, is my, is my QB one Jordan Reed? Are you going to pick a quarterback here? Like who's, who's the guy that stick, that sticks out the most you're most excited about in the top 10. So you guys know I can talk about quarterbacks forever, but I'm going to go a different direction here. And <laughs> he's kind he was kind of a question mark coming into last season. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him because of the torn ACL and that's Dylan yeah. Moses coming in in the eighth spot. And he's played Sam linebacker for most of his career when he was at Alabama, but he was supposed to transition to Mike prior to the season opener against Duke. But he tore the ACL in practices leading up to the game. But one of the things that you love about Dylan Moses is just how explosive he plays the position. And it seems like he's been in college football forever. We've been hearing about him since he was in eighth grade. That's when he got his first offer, which was again, which was from LSU. So it seems like he's just been on the college landscape forever. But he's just so good at playing the position. He's really good in coverage really good in processing and then he's just so explosive at the position but he's a wrap-up tackler and he's just that fantastic and magnetic leader that you love to see at the position just because with these Mike linebackers they're the heartbeat and the heart and soul of your defense and I think that's what Dylan Moses brings to the table and if he's able to replicate his success what he showed during his freshman and sophomore years I think he's a guy that definitely could go in the top 10 and like Kyle just replicating what Kyle said and echoing what he said 
about Michael Parsons. Everybody likes to devalue the the linebacker in a sense and say it's like the running back of the defense. But we're constantly seeing guys like Devin White and Devin Bush go top five. We saw Isaiah Simmons go top five or top ten, excuse me, uh, last year. So I think a guy like Dylan Moses, if he's able to show what he showed pre-ACL injury, I think we're talking about a top ten prospect. You guys know the Chicago girl loves that you guys are spending all this time talking about defense, right? Like you guys, you guys just keep, Roquan I keep trying Smith, to get another top 10 linebacker. I was going to say Roquan yeah. Smith, another guy, top 10 linebacker. Uh, Joe, I will force you guys to talk about quarterbacks <laughs> at some point. Okay. So that might come next, but of the guys in the top 10, same question for you. Who's the guy you're most excited about? Well, you know, look, I, I think I'll go with Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU and, you know, Obviously, he was part of that historical LSU offense last year, and Joe Burrow, the number one picks, dealing the football, putting it in great spots. But I don't think that that should give us any concern about Jamar Chase because you just watch him play the game. You watch the way he runs routes. You watch the way he deals with contact, the speed that he carries in and out of breaks, how deceptive he is. The ball skills are there. The hands are there. He's plucky outside of his frame. I mean, He's probably the best contested catch receiver that I watched this summer and maybe one of the better ones that I've seen in recent years. And no, he's probably not going to go set the single season SEC receiving record again this year with, you know, obviously a lot of turnover in that offense. But we saw him at his best last year. We saw the best version of Jamar Chase last year. And that's an exciting football player. And then, you know, Bruce Feldman comes out with his freaks list and says that he's running in the 4-4 range. And that was something I maybe didn't expect. I, I One thing that if there was anything that was going to kind of force me to pump the brakes with Jamar Chase is that, I mean, from a technique and skill perspective, this guy's as good as it gets. But, you know, is he a top tier athlete? You know, is he that top five receiver that just gives rare athleticism to go with that skill? And if he runs in the four fours and that low four four range <laughs> where Feldman has him, you know, this is going to be a slam dunk pick for probably a team that's recently taken a, a young quarterback that needs that go-to receiver. He's going to make a team really happy. And, you know, if that statistical production declines, which it's going to this year, let's remember the context here. Remember the skill that this player has and, and realize that this is going to be a true number one in the NFL. Okay. So we got lots of questions about QBs guys. So I, I didn't, I didn't have to force you guys into it. The fans force you guys into it. Okay. So it's not, it's not me forcing it. Five straight years of being wrong on QB1. This is across the board, right? So this is last year. We're we're talking tank for Tua, tank for Tua, tank for Tua. And then it becomes the Joe Burrow show, right? And and I'm not going to rub it in too much, the tank for Tua stuff, right? Because we got our Miami Dolphins guys, you can see very loudly in the background behind you. But we've heard about Trevor Lawrence, guys. This is this is a longer time frame. Right. We're talking we've been we've been talking about other organizations going tank for Trevor a year ahead of the time that they're even playing. Like this is a whole different discussion around somebody. So when you evaluated these three guys, right, when you're looking at Justin Fields and you're looking at Trevor Lawrence and you're looking at Trey Lance, is this going to be another situation where we could see somebody else end up being the QB one or or you guys saying, this is kind of the outlier, and and Trevor's going to be that dude. And I'll go to the quarterback first. So, Jordan, you take it first. I think it all just, just depends on how each one of them play this year if we're able to get a season. But I think this would be one of those cases where it would be a super upset if Trevor Lawrence doesn't end the year as the quarterback one just because we've seen all the, the lingo used for him, generational, you know, on the same tier as John Elway and, 
you know, Andrew Luck is a prospect. That's been some of the things that have been thrown out, out there about him, even though it may not come from us, but that's just some of the whispers out there about Trevor Lawrence. And he just has everything that you want in a quarterback. And yes, I know he didn't play well in the college football playoffs last year, but what he showed leading up to that point was just incredible. I mean, a guy that's, I believe, 29 and one in his career. And the first loss of his career came in the national championship game last year. So he, he's a winner. He's everything that you want at, at the position from a height, weight, strength standpoint. Arm strength is out of this world. Very, very accurate passer. And I think he's he's not in he's not an outspoken leader. I will say he's more of a guy that's lead by example, but he does have a little bit of rah-rah to him and he's sneaky athletic. That's a that's a, a term that a lot of people like to use about him. And I think he showed that off against Ohio State, which was one game I thought he played really well in. So I think it would be a huge upset if he doesn't end the year as the quarterback one, but you never know with the draft process. And like we've seen in years past, there's always going to be teams that have different variations in how they stack their quarterback board. There's going to be some teams that end the year with Trey Lance or Justin Fields as their quarterback one, if they do end up declaring for this draft. So it just depends on how, how any of those. Kyle, I think we, we lost Jordan there for a second. Uh, if, if you are choosing a guy not named Trevor Lawrence, right? So it's either Trey Lance or it's Justin Fields. Who is more likely to be QB1 in your opinion? Right now, no film from 2020. Right now, what you've seen so far going in, we're in this process, who, who would you bet on? I would take Justin Fields, personally. Uh, I do think of the dynamics of the three. I just had a couple of points that I wanted to make as far as uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and being the exception of the rule as far as this evolution of the quarterback process from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Trevor has a couple things going versus him, for him versus both contemporaries and that he has an extra year of starting experience uh, and has played at an extremely high level for two seasons as the starter at Clemson. So if we get a limited season, Justin Fields only has one year of starting experience at Ohio State, and Trey Lance was a redshirt freshman last year at, at the FCS le level at North Dakota State. And, you know, but as far as the dynamics of Lance versus Fields, I was really impressed with what Justin Fields was able to do out of structure and in structure. Ohio State made it very easy for him to operate within structure. And this was an extensive conversation that the scouting staff had talking about the infrastructure of the Ohio State offense and how simple a lot of these reads were because it was very elementary. They space and stress the field so well. Whereas North Dakota State, they put a lot more on Lance from a QB run perspective. And, and you know, despite the fact that he didn't have any turnovers, there were some questionable decisions that were made with the football that, that you know, the defenses couldn't capitalize on. I think Fields has the edge for level of competition. And I think Fields also, in my opinion, has the advantage for accuracy to most areas of the field, including when he is off his throwing platform. So you watch Justin Fields and his ability to kind of drop his arm slot and throw around guys. And, and you saw that a lot with Kyler and, and very different as far as the dynamic style of playing explosiveness as runners that both of those guys have. And, and Trey Lance, you know, checks a lot of these boxes as well, but I saw less accuracy issues with Justin Fields that despite the fact that the spacing of the field at Ohio state made it easier for him and a lot more straightforward to make some reads. I saw less accuracy issues with Justin Fields and he played at a higher level of competition. So that's why I would go with him. 
Joe, I'll switch it up on you and, and we're going to force you to talk about Trey Lance because we've got a lot of comments on the right-hand side. Lance QB1, lose for Lance. We've got hashtags. For, we've got hashtags for days, okay? Fail for fields. We've got hashtags for all three quarterbacks mm-hmm. already in July. I love it. I'm super I'm super entertained by it. It's, it's good for us. It's good for the brand. So I want to hear from you, Joe. When you guys talked about Trey Lance in the scouting meeting, what were some of the things that's that stuck out to to the group and, and were some of his best traits? Well, I think there's so much appeal with Lance, I think, because he is that other option, if you will. Everyone's really familiar with Lawrence and Fields, and Trey Lance is kind of that guy from the small school that completed 67% of his passes last year, 28 touchdowns, no interception. He's got great size. He's a good athlete. And so there's 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 some unknown things about him that I think gives him a lot of appeal and right. Like he didn't lose to Clemson in the playoffs. He didn't lose to LSU in the national championship game, right? He it's a different story. And so I think he's kind of a, a guy that's easy to buy into. And, and for a lot of good reasons, you know, a lot of the traits that I just talked about, but you know, I think the key thing with, with Trey Lance that, you know, Kyle kind of touched on already is that talking about a red shirt freshman here, that's a rising red shirt sophomore. And so I think we all want to see that sample size be even greater. And, you know, I think the box score can be a little bit misleading when it comes to Trey Lance. I don't want to talk him down because we have him in our top six yeah, and we think great. he's a yeah. really exciting prospect, but you know, right now it's, it's one of those situations where the body of work really needs to expand. And, you know, there were instances of him not necessarily being pinpoint with some of his throws down the field. And there were some turnover worthy throws that, didn't get picked off. And so, you know, he's got some growth and maturity to do as a player. We think he can do it. I mean, obviously he's very high. I expect he'll be a very high pick, but I think out of these three guys, if there's anyone that needs a 2020 season, it's going to be Trey Lance. That was good. That was what I was going to ask you, Kyle, is, is he the quarterback with the most to gain? Is he the one that needs the season with the most to gain? Because you've already seen, uh, especially with Trevor, right? I've, I've seen people argue that Trevor doesn't, Trevor doesn't need this, right? Trevor could right. take some Trevor could take the season work with a quarterback coach and probably get drafted number one overall, right? And, and that's I understand that argument. So is is Trey Lance the one that really needs this season to showcase longevity and the and the traits that you need to see from him? I I have no concerns with the traits. If I measured the North Dakota State offense and I looked at it when Carson Wentz was there and I looked at it with Trey Lance last year. Trey Lance has better traits at his disposal, in my opinion, than Carson Wentz does. So Wentz is, is obviously the blueprint for success, and that's the best-case scenario with an FCS quarterback. But for, for my money, Lance has better raw physical ability, but he only has one year as a starter, and that was part of the appeal of Carson Wentz. He goes to the senior bowl, and he knocks the thing out of the freaking park. And he had, I, I remember sitting in the stands watching those practices and like, man, he, he's really proving like there's no stage that's too big for him. Well, Trey Lance obviously hasn't, it will not have the opportunity if he chooses to declare for the 2021 NFL season as a redshirt sophomore to be able to attend that event. So the film's really going to matter and he's going to need as big of a sample size as he can to really help general managers and coaches buy in. Guys, I want to get to a, a fan question. Um, it's been asked a couple of different times, so I'm, I'm shouting out Sam Robinson, who asked this one of you guys. And that is, who was the hardest person to leave out of the top 100, right? So I envision when you guys were breaking this all down, there were probably a couple of guys at the back end that you 
had to argue about, right? And and it, and it, at the end of the day, there can only be a hundred. So there's some guys that get left out of that top 100 from today. So Jay, I'll go to you first. Who was the toughest guy for you personally to leave out of the top 100? Um, I think the biggest one for me would be Florida State wide receiver Tamori and Terry. I think we have him ranked at 104. Uh, on our big board and we've seen the success that he had and we know that offense has just been a train wreck the past few years when Willie Taggart was there but he still managed to produce really good numbers and he has the height weight size speed that you love to see from the position and I think he has a lot of promise there were some whispers that he might have declared last year but and I think he probably would have been a day two pick at best but he has a lot of the physical traits that you're looking for from the position and I'm crossing over a little bit with Joe here because he's responsible for the ACC so I apologize Joe if I took your guy <laughs> you did yeah but, you took my answer Samori <laughs> and Terry definitely is one player that it, I mean he's a guy that definitely could easily enter our top 100 if we get a season this year all right so since we know Joe's Kyle Who's the guy that got left out of the top 100 for you that you are a little bummed that you don't have 105 to hit into to hit into 100 spots? Yeah, we ended up having, I think, like 104 or 105 guys that got top 100 grades. So the, there's a couple of guys that were fringe, like it's just numbers games as you stack them up. And Baron Browning, the linebacker from Ohio State, was the one for me where he was kind of the de facto fourth linebacker there. They had Pete Warner last year and, and Malik Harrison, who got drafted to the Baltimore Ravens and tough Borland and, and Baron Browning was kind of the fourth guy and they used him more uh, against faster offenses, but they used him in this timeshare where he really didn't get a chance to, to showcase himself at a really high volume. Uh, but Baron Browning has all of the athletic traits that you want for a potential three down linebacker. Uh, and he was the one guy for me, the more I watched, the more I appreciated his game it was just frustrating that Ohio State didn't get him on the field more than what they did last year. All right, guys, there is a bunch of questions, and I'm not going to get to all of them. So this one has popped in. We're on, by the way, we're on YouTube Live. We're on Facebook Live. We're on Twitter Live. You guys can listen. If, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to Drafted. So there's like every opportunity to see us, no matter where you are. So hopefully you're following at the Draft Network if this is your First time seeing us, I hope you subscribe and, and see because we're going to start doing this uh, a lot more often. But one, my probably my favorite phrase, right? There's a lot of fun phrases in scouting, but there is this is my favorite one. We're, we're always said pound the table for this guy, right? We've had, we had some fun discussions at the combine. We're throwing out hypothetical situations and this could happen and what would you trade for this? And we're all arguing around a big old table in Indianapolis. So when you guys were all meeting up for your scouting meetings, right? Who was the player that you had to pound the table for? And if the answer is I didn't have anybody, that's fine. But I envision that you guys probably had one guy that you had to really convince the rest of the group really deserved to be there. Uh, so, Joe, since you didn't get to talk about your guy in the last one, I'm going to you first. Who was the guy you had to pound the table for? You know, I don't know if if I had to dance on a table to convince these guys that he was deserving of being a top 25 player on the board. But I think the guy that I would stand on a table for if somebody gave me resistance is Florida State safety linebacker Hamsa Nasser-Dean. And um, I just think he's such a wonderful projection to today's NFL and being that sub package defender that can just do so much. If you wanted to play slot safety, if you wanted to play nickel linebacker, if you want to play him in deep zones, if you want to have him shoot gaps, I mean, he can do everything. He's 6'4", 215, 
had over 100 tackles last year, which is not ideal for a safety, but it, spe- it speaks to, first of all, his his football IQ, but also Joe couldn't just tell how- us any. Uh, Joe couldn't tell us enough about the talent at the Florida State defense, you. and their safety led the team in tackles with 100. Right. Adam Fuller is going <laughs> to change that. Out. He's going to change that unit. They had so much talent, but Nasser Ladeen, you know, like I said, it just that sub package type player. I mean, 70% of the league is playing sub, you know, uh, almost all the time. And so he's the guy that I would peg. I'd say, I want that guy on my defense because I think he can do so much for me in terms of neutralizing spacing issues and, and uh, height, weight, speed mismatches. I just think he can do everything. And, and um, unfortunately had an injury late in the season, but uh, what he put on tape last year combined with kind of the, the year before just this ascending type player, uh, I was so excited to see him on our top 25. And I, I'll be honest, I don't think I would have let him slip anymore. Okay. Pound the table. You like Florida State, huh, Joe? Maybe I don't. That's the thing. He's an NC State homer. That's the beautiful uh, thing is I don't really – I've never been a guy that's really loved Florida State or loved anything about it. But that the defensive talent this year is just – it's speaking to me in big ways. And I'm excited about Adam Ford, the defensive coordinator that came over uh, with Mike Norvell from Memphis. He turned that defense around. He's turned around yeah. the Marshall defense. Uh, you know, he's got a long resume of doing this and he did it at, at his alma mater. I think Stephen Foster, he's been doing this. And I, I just yeah. feel like he's never had this type of talent. And these guys have just been so poorly coached at Florida State. You can just watch these guys play. And it's just like they're just not rigidly rep players. And I'm going to give Benjamin Solak credit for giving feeding me that term. But like you watch these Florida State players and you say, this isn't a talent problem. These guys just aren't well conditioned, rigidly rep football players. And, and I just can't wait to see what they can do with with good coaching. And I think Norvell and Adam Fuller is going to do that. Man, the Gators in our bunch are not going to like if Florida State <laughs> starts turning it around and really getting after it with some good coaching. No more chomp chomp for Trevor and oh, uh, Trevor and Rob. Oh, there, there we go. So, we, got, we, got plenty, we got plenty of Gators uh, amongst the bunch. Uh, Jordan, you next. Who'd you pound the table for? And if you didn't have to argue with anybody, then you can answer it the way Joe yeah. did, which is if there was an opportunity where you had to argue with somebody about one guy on this top 100 list, who would it be? Um, I would go to Alabama, and we know they're an NFL factory at every single position, but they have a player that started the backstretch of last year, started the last four games. His name is Christian Barmore. He's a defensive tackle, and we've seen how well they've projected some of these players to the league, whether it's Deron Payne or Jonathan Allen or even Quentin Williams. All those guys ended up being first-round selections, and I think Barmore is the next guy in this feeder system, and Jalen Twyman and Marvin, or, excuse me, Marvin Wilson are the two interior defensive linemen that are getting most of the love right now just because Barmore didn't start many games last year. He only started four. But if you go watch him against Auburn, that is one game where he did start, and he was absolutely phenomenal in that game. And he's just the next guy in that feeder system. So remember the name Christian Barmore when we're coming up in April and everybody's saying, oh, man, he came out of nowhere. Remember, I told you about the name before everybody got on. <laughs> Jordan, do not worry about it. I will have clipped this video, and I will be sure to make sure that Old Takes Exposed sees that this is a good take to show and that you were ahead of the game. So don't worry. I got you. I will make sure that this is clipped out and that you're getting credit ahead of everybody else. Kyle, you're I the last one. It. Yeah, I got you. You know, I always got you. Kyle, you're the last one here. Uh, I feel like you probably had a guy that you pounded the table yeah, for, but maybe I, you didn't. Maybe I, you didn't. I could talk I about Master Teague from Ohio State. I could talk about Jason Owe from Penn State, Chris Olave from Ohio State, the wide receiver, Daniel Falele from Minnesota, <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. 
I got a ton of like brand dudes this year. Tyler <laughs> Chelvin, who from the nose tackle from LSU, some big uglies up front. But I'll go to one Cameron McGrone, the linebacker from Michigan, who really jumped off the screen at me in, in big ways. And I was really impressed. You get a lot of Devin Bush vibes. And you saw the ceiling with Devin Bush and the explosiveness in there. And he's another guy that's like six foot, five eleven. He's another dense, quick twitch guy. He was a redshirt freshman last year. And you watch some of the reads that this guy made. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch the Jalen Smith uh, game pass film study session yet, but he talks about his triangle reads where he's reading from the tight end to the opposing guard to the back in the backfield. And McGrone in some of those instances and what he was able to do to process in short spaces and the explosiveness that he had playing inside middle linebacker for Michigan just blew me away. So he landed uh, a 44th, uh, which ironically enough is his number on defense. So very poetic for Cameron McGrone. Uh, but he is a guy that I would definitely pound the table for as far as if you need a guy in the middle, He's got the goods, and his reads and his keys being as good as they were as a redshirt freshman last year has me really excited to see what the future holds for him. Okay, guys, last last question here. This one comes from a new uh, premium member. So that's why I'm asking oh. her question. We got Sue Ann. This is a new premium member. Hey, and she, and she's, she's submitting her first ever question to you guys on, via any platform. So – I think I told you guys ahead of this, like, we're not going to, we're not virologists. We're not going to get into the discussion about should college football happen, all that good stuff. We're going to talk about these players. And I think this question is a fair question. And it's one that I'm interested to hear from you guys. Um, and that is if college football does get moved to the spring, which draft eligible players would you advise to actually play as opposed to oh. telling certain players to declare? right and, and be ready for the draft so um she's really looking for offensive skill positions in particular so you can narrow it down uh because that's what she's looking at but I think that's an interesting question and it's it's less about trying to decide what should happen and more if this does happen what would you guys do so Kyle I'm gonna I'm gonna make you take this one first so so go ahead sure uh a name that I would probably point to is Nick Eubanks tight end from Michigan uh, who has really, really good athletic potential. But Michigan has kind of had like this wave after wave of tight ends, and Eubanks really hasn't had a chance to showcase what he can do as the feature guy. And I think his ceiling is really high. He finished 79th on the TDM 100. So you know, we view this guy as a potential late round two, early day three type of target uh, if he's able to showcase what he can do. But he doesn't have a lot to hang his hat on right now. So he would be a player who I think would greatly benefit from getting more high volume targets in the passing game. And, and obviously Michigan, you know, they've had some turnover at a, a wide receiver room and they, they're going to have an exchange at quarterback with no longer having Shea Patterson behind center and, and hopefully letting that improve Josh Gaddis's passing offense, who was a guest on uh, Jordan's podcast a couple weeks ago and was an excellent listen. So he would be the first name if I was going to talk exclusively about skill players who would come to mind. Okay, Jordan, I'll tell I'll let you take that one next. You can take it either way, right? A guy that needs to play or a guy that you're telling just go out. You don't you don't need the season. Um, so the first player that I start with that I think needs to play this season, and it's a player we're extremely high on. His name is Tyson Campbell, the cornerback from Georgia. 
And there's a lot of excitement about them about him. Dre Harris is one guy that firmly planted his flag with this guy. I'm a tape. And yeah, <laughs> he was like, man, this this kid is really good. And you know, just watching him, you see the physical traits and the stuff that he brings to the table. And he just needs more playing experience. And me and Dre were talking about this yesterday in our scout or a couple of days ago in our scouting meeting, is that he's in a very similar situation that Jeffrey Akuda was uh, prior to his breakout year last year. And everybody saw the talent with Akuda, but he just didn't have the ball production. He didn't have any interceptions coming into his junior season. And Tyson Campbell is in a very similar situation. He's a big-time recruit coming into Georgia, five-star recruit. He actually played opposite of Patrick Sertain coming out of American Heritage High School in Florida, a big-time school down there. So he had the accolades coming in. And you see the potential with him. It's just a matter of him getting more in-game reps and then him producing as far as ball production. Joe, anybody else stick out to you as a guy you'd say, hey, man, you should go back. You got to play. You got to get some more reps. Yeah, I got a name there. But first, let me tell you a guy that I don't need to see play any more football. And that's Travis Etienne from Clemson. Kind of surprised he didn't come (laughs) out last year, right? This guy's been lighting up uh, ACC defenses for years now. And and he really answered the questions about his ability to catch the football and contribute as a receiver last year. So that's the guy that I think um, has, uh, has shown all he needs to. But the name that really popped for me is a good football player, uh, Brevin Jordan, the tight end from from uh, Miami. He's he's number thirty four on our board. He's our tight end three. We've got uh, Pat Fryermuth from Penn State as our first tight end. Kyle Pitts from Florida as our second tight end. But Brevin Jordan is not any less talented than those football players. I just don't think that he's necessarily been showcased to really showcase his best abilities and a very simple route tree on his plate a lot of just kind of attacking space. And, you know, Miami's got a new offensive coordinator coming in this year. They've got the Eric King coming to play quarterback. And I think those two ingredients should lead to Brevin really being able to showcase himself uh, more predominantly. I I just feel like there's a lot more for him to show. And in a a tight end class where it's going to be pretty top heavy, I think he's got a chance to maybe go back and be the number one tight end in, in 2022 if, if that's, um, you know, what's in the cards for him. But a good football player, traits are there. I just feel like more polish and more opportunity would allow him to, you know, be even even a higher-rated prospect. Uh, Sue Ann, thank you for, one, becoming a premium member, and, two, for the great question. So I know the guys have teased this, but what they've been doing, what DraftKings has been doing over the last couple of days is they've been taking some of these live shows. They've done takes on takes, and it's been really fun to watch. Um, I've loved being in the chat with everyone. Like I'm just sitting there chatting back and forth with everybody. And it's been fun to watch our premium Slack members kind of jump in and have those discussions. So if you're a premium member and you're not in premium Slack, feel free to message one of us and we'll tell you how to get there. But the original email you got, that's where that premium Slack invite is at. And I know that Kyle told you guys that the other night, but it's it's one of those things. I, I've, I've seen a bunch of premium members say, I don't know where premium slacking butt is. And I said, check your email. But, you know, if they became a, if they became a member like six months ago, they might not have that email anymore. So hit us up if you can't if you can't find the email. And we appreciate Sue Ann for becoming a, a new premium member. I want to leave you guys with this, Kyle. The project you guys are working on now is a project that is exclusive yeah. to our premium members. And I, for one, am very excited about it. So why don't you tell everybody that's listening and watching this, what the scouting department is now transitioning into and what they can look forward to because this is our first time we we launched our premium offering at the end of January. So this time last year, we didn't have all this. We didn't have this to, to bring to the table ahead of football season. And I know that 
personally, I'm very excited about this project, even though I am mentally prepared for the negative things that are going to be written about the Bears <laughs> quarterbacks. Okay. I know what's going to be in there. Jordan's got the about- NFC North, so you know who to blame. Oh, I'm, I'm excited about it nonetheless. And he knows I'm probably tougher than he is on, on my own squad than, than anybody else. But Kyle, please tell everybody about what you guys are working on. Yeah. So college is not just college to pro, right? There's pro scouting and we are going to wear both hats. So we've divided the league up amongst our staff and and we're going to take deep dives and we're going to be responsible for certain regions and being the expert for those pro teams, just like we would at the college level. So we're going to be doing season previews. Uh, for all 32 NFL teams, a team-specific guide and season preview. And one of the things Joe and I talk a lot about on Draft Dudes is is team life cycles. And different teams make different decisions because they're at different junctures in building their rosters and building their teams and competing for championships. And, And painting that picture for everybody to give them the context of, this is where your team is at, and this is why they're making the decisions that they are, and this is what you should expect. And if you don't get this, you can either feel really good about it or you can feel really bad about it. So uh, we're going to paint that picture. We're going to be doing you know, season predictions and we're going to be looking at uh, positions of need ahead of the 2020 season and giving you guys some college prospects to, to look towards and, and target for being scheme fits for your teams. We're going to be talking about the quarterback dynamics, head coach dynamics, the rest of your roster, salary cap situation, NFL draft assets at your disposal. So there's going to be a lot that's going to be available to fans who are TDM premium subscribers uh, ahead of the 2020 season to really uh, kind of paint the picture of what fans for each team should be expecting and why. Yeah. And, and I think the biggest thing that Kyle said there is, where your team is at, not where they think they're at, okay? Because a lot of times there's a, your, your team will make a decision based off of the fact, I think if you're you're an L.A. Rams fan, you're making trades like you're in first place and you're, I don't know what you're doing last year, right? And so it's, sometimes it's a little dose of reality because your team might think they're in one position and you see going in, okay, this is what Draft Network has to say about my team. And you can maybe you can chirp a little bit on social media. Really, really get yourself ready to go for this season. Uh, and feel free to use what our guys are saying uh, back towards everybody else. Jordan, I want you to tell everybody about your new podcast that you have going on yeah. and where they can find that. Uh, because as you all know, one, it's a wonderful play off your name. Okay. So that's, it, it's an excellent, I'm all about the branding. So it's an Stock excellent name, brand. right? Stock up for the brand. That's for sure. And two, I'm excited about it because you've had some great guests already and you're going to continue to do that. So make sure uh, the floor is yours. Tell everybody about your new pod. Yeah, well, you can thank Rob for the name. He's the one that came up with it. But when he said it, it was absolute genius. I'm mad that I didn't think of it. So I just wanted to give him a shout out for that. And I thank him for that. But it's called the Read Option. And that's Read with the I, like my last name, R-E-I-D. And I love the, the, I love the play on words just because it's a football mm-hmm. reference. And I think it's just so hard to come up with a football podcast name just because you have so many cliches that are already out there. But um, I love the name. So shout out to Rob once again. But it's just a relaxed environment with the podcast. I love to bring on guests. Um, I am hosting it by myself right now, but uh, we're going to bring Jay Harris on as my co-host here soon. So that's that's a quick announcement there. Um, he's actually going to be on the next episode, which is coming out tomorrow. He's going to be giving some advice to some younger scouts, and we're going to talk about the Jamal Adams nice. situation as well. So um, that's something that's going on right now, and I'm really excited about the podcast. You can find it on every single podcast platform. And I'm also going to be running a series here soon 
call scouting the scout where I'm going to bring in some big names just to talk about some things in the scouting industry. So that's something that'll be going up next week. Lance Zierlein is going to be my next guest on that from the NFL Network. So really excited about that. Looks like uh, people in the chat are excited about Dre, man. It's like, let's go Dre, yeah. Dre on the pod. Everyone's pumped yeah. up about Dre. I, I love it, man. I love it. I love that he's uh, he's got his own little hive, right? He's building he a little Dre, a little Dre hive, and I and I'm excited about it. Joe, you got any parting thoughts? Since I didn't ask you one, so you got any parting thoughts of wisdom for the group today on the podcast? Man, what a, a weird spot to be put in. I think. <laughs> I think I would like to hear you, Paige, give us your grumbly. Oh boy, guys, because we didn't get it at the top, and you said maybe you would do it at the end. So if I either need a squatch call from Kyle or an, I need a guys grumbly from Paige to, to I'm get out. us out of here. Uh, I think Kyle, maybe we can count down from three, and you do the squatch call at the same time. I have to go, guys, because I don't know how Listen, well that's going to go. I'm not an go. idiot, Paige. I it know you're going to count down, and then you're not going to do it. It wouldn't no. be an internet stream with Kyle Krabs without something embarrassing happening, and, and we on. just need this to close it out. Yes, come on, Kyle. I need a squatch call. I promise, no, I will do the guys being dudes. So we just got to count ourselves down here to, to end the podcast. I refuse. Right? To do, I will do Ed O'Drama. Oh. I will not do a squatch call. <laughs> this is unbelievable. I can't believe I'm getting stood up in in front to my own face. This hey, is unbelievable. Hey, come on. <laughs> this is Ed O'Drama on the phone here. I don't want to let you know I'm really looking forward to your squatch call here on Draft Two. I hope people are watching this because, man, oh, man, <laughs> last year when we were at LSU, Alabama, which seems like it happened five years oh, I ago. Forgot to call you. I called you and did Kyle, an Odron for like 10 Kyle, minutes. Oh, no. Kyle calls me, okay, and he blocks his phone number, and he leaves a voicemail for me, and he leaves me a voicemail hey, as Odron. And you better believe I saved that damn voicemail. So at some point in time, it's gonna get yeah, it's gonna get released. I'm gonna I'm gonna release it. I don't like that one. I like the gumbo though down here, (laughs) Woodyana in the Bible. Joe, um, I'll give you a let's let's do it at the same time. You and me, Joe. Can you do it at the same time? Guys being dudes. All right. So it's all right, sure. You count us down. Okay. Three, two, one. Guys, being dudes. dudes. There it is. There it is. Uh, the the only lady that's allowed on the podcast, the Queen Bee. I get to I get to hang out with you guys. So Sue Ann, thank you for the question. I love getting asked a question from a from a girl. That was awesome. And I love that she's a premium member, and I love that she's in takes on takes, already giving you guys love. So that's that's incredible. Um, so everybody, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Please check out. The, uh, the Read Option podcast, okay, Jordan's new podcast. If you guys are fantasy football fans, you guys can check out the TDN Fantasy podcast. We had Tyron Matthew on last week, and we're going to have another great guest on this week. So uh, a little teaser for what's to what's to come, and be sure to check out TDN's Top 100 because these guys, I'll glow about them for a second, uh, have done an incredible job. And I'm super proud of everything that's happened uh, over the last couple months, so I hope you guys check it all out.